Hello and welcome back to Bloomberg Crypto. My name is James Gore. This episode is for the 30th of August 2020. Going to be talking a bit about some exchange news, going to be talking a bit about some decentralized finance. In fact, most of it is just decentralized finance today, um, which we will be covering. Um, Don't forget to subscribe and like. Uh, wherever you are consuming this content. If you're listening on iTunes, do leave a review. would really appreciate that. If you're not listening on iTunes, also do, do leave a review. So again, would really appreciate that. really helps the show out. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is DeFi uh, perpetual futures contracts. So if you're aware of the exchange FTX, um, not too long ago, they released uh, DeFi Perp which is basically perpetual futures, which I think, well, let's see when they is back in July possibly, um, which is basically an index of a bunch of DeFi projects that are currently out. And um, it's quite a nice way to provide some exposure to the DeFi space without specifically trading or holding a particular cryptocurrency because, you know, again, it's really volatile space. And DeFi is relatively new. A lot of these projects are just on a complete rampage which i will be talking a bit about later on the episode um but binance seemingly copied their uh idea and they launched uh, decentralized finance um perpetual futures i think three days ago so interestingly enough index is completely dumped and is slowly creeping back up so i think that's definitely one to watch over on binance we'll be talking a bit about coins recently being listed on Binance and not dumping which is very interesting I did tweet recently that uh, I think today this morning actually I tweeted this morning it's very interesting to see cryptocurrencies that are listed on Binance and not see them just pump and dump they're slowly climbing up and they're all from the decentralized finance space which is to be expected Um, I also did tweet as well that I'm getting similar vibes to the ICO mania of 2016-2017 to the DeFi mania now. Um, I wouldn't say we're in a ma- an actual mania phase, it's just an expression. I think there's a lot of hype, a lot of people investing in the space, and I think there is a lot of potential in the de- decentralized finance space. So, it, it might be, I'm, I'm going to talk about this a bit later in the, on the episode, but I'm going to talk about Yearn, talk about Polkadot as well. But I do think DeFi has a lot more potential to actually be, have more stable base than most of the ICO mania that we did we some of you may have not been exposed to but were exposed in 2016 2017 um and some of those DeFi projects actually did come from ICOs during that time as well but anyway um it's worth it's worth taking a look at the decentralized finance or DeFi perpetual index futures over on FTX and also Binance um probably going to be if I haven't actually looked at how they weighted these indexes either if they're just an equal split amongst all the DeFi projects, fair enough. I'd say that's probably relatively balanced, but it's worth just checking to see if one project's more weighted than the other, and you can kind of make your mind up as to whether or not you think it's worth uh, trading versus, you know, versus your risk risk tolerance or risk exposure if you're not already uh, trading DeFi coins, which I think most of you probably probably are. But um, it's a bit of a bit of the whole rising tides lifts all boats kind of thing with. Uh, the DeFi futures on Binance and FTX. So interesting stuff, definitely worth uh, taking a look at. But 
the first thing we're going to look at today, the next thing I'm going to look at is Grayscale. So Grayscale were looking to, if you're not aware of what Grayscale is, by the way, they're a cryptocurrency investment firm. Um, they've done exceptionally well since they've you know, uh, first start, uh, launched. Um, they hold uh, 5.8 billion US dollars in uh, assets, uh, such as BTC and Ethereum and the rest. Um, so they're big. And they recently pulled an advert from Fox News. And I don't like to talk politics on this channel, and I'm avoiding it completely. Um, but there is a bit of political aspect to this story. Um, but basically, they were meant to run an ad on Tucker Carlson, uh, who is a chap that has a show on Fox News, I believe. So being a Brit, I don't really... I'm not really exposed to American television. I'm not really exposed to British television either. I think I maybe see about 30 minutes a day, um, sometimes, if if that, because um, I just, just don't have the time to watch TV, to be honest with you. Um, and it's not, it's not. I mean, I'm talking about news specifically, but most news is pretty depressing anyway and not really relevant. If you want the information, it's probably best to find it on Twitter or elsewhere or just seek it out. Not really missing anything, and my philosophy is if something serious is going to happen, like like the pandemic, then you'll find out about it because there's no escape from that story. So that's probably the only thing that's really um, stood out that you couldn't escape. So anyway, back to the story. So Grayscale pulled their advert from um, Fox News because it was running on what they deemed to be a controversial show. Um, and I've seen I've seen some commentary on this already from within the space from some sites that have been saying that uh, Grayscale has made a political move. They've you know they're taking a political stance, and I completely disagree. Even if you read the comment what they said on Twitter, I'll just go over it quickly. So Grayscale said they pulled the advert because it came to our attention that one of our ads erroneously ran during a TV program last night that is absolutely not aligned with our values or what we stand for. We're investigating how this aired outside of our media bias guidelines to ensure this does not happen again. So if I, so, okay, so on surface level, on surface value, if you were to take that, it seems like it's a political spin. That's because of political reason. And to be fair, I mean, maybe, maybe, I might back backpedal a bit from one of you guys. Um, it is for polit political reasons, but if you're running a company, regardless of what side of the fence Tucker Carlson lives on, if you're running a company, uh, there's a co controversial piece of news, which I think, which was exactly what was being covered. I think the chap, that 17 year old kid that shot a bunch of people in America was being run, and then these adverts were being run alongside that. Um, you wouldn't want your company to be associated with that because it's highly controversial, whether it be a left thing or right thing. It doesn't matter. Um, you really wouldn't want to be exposed to that. So regardless of their leaning, this makes complete sense. So I guess it is a bit of a political move, it's, but it also could just be signaling to a certain group of people that they don't really agree with certain things, which I, if so, I, I think that's quite a bad move it should, they, they should just remove the advert because it's such a controversial um controversial um uh, news piece but anyway moving on so let's talk about uh entrepreneurship in the cryptocurrency space from a chap in nigeria so <laughs> so this is quite a funny story so uh this is from coin insider so 
CEO of a Nigeria-based cryptocurrency exchange, Yellow Card, Chris Maurice, made his first foray into the cryptocurrency industry selling Bitcoin on eBay. This chap sells Bitcoin at 100% markup on eBay, and people buy it. This is actual Bitcoin. This isn't some scammy coin like a gold coin that says that buy Bitcoin. This is actual Bitcoin. So according to the CEO, he's introduced into Bitcoin in 2013 by co-founder of Yellowcard, Justin Poirot, and soon realized there's an opportunity for more profit than trading or selling through a platform. He discovered that Bitcoin price was almost three times the value on eBay than its market rates and exchanges or peer-to-peer marketplaces. So he's making a massive killing on eBay selling Bitcoin for people. Um, I'm sure this is something many people could do. I don't think this, this is especially unique. I know people uh, sell Bitcoin on some peer-to-peer sites, um, provided they go through KYC, which wasn't wasn't like it used to be, but it, it, it is now. Um, so it's pretty insane, pretty insane. Um, he's doing well. I'm sure there's other ways people can find kind of ways to profit from crypto without actually having to trade crypto themselves could just buy bitcoin hold bitcoin and sell it for a markup so people but bitcoin is obviously in demand enough that he's willing to that people are willing to buy it from ebay so um i'm assuming there's no kyc just some basic identity data like email and the rest um but yeah interesting stuff interesting stuff um i think the laws in nigeria are probably a bit different versus some other other territories so i know if you're selling cryptocurrencies in the uk if you're selling a certain percentage to people um then you're basically considered uh come under money remittance so you so you need to take kyc information of people you're selling to or there needs to be an intermediary that does so i think local bitcoins has is for that's why they're kind of forcing people to uh provide kyc information because they have to because otherwise they will come under anti-money laundering and uh, um, anti-terrorist financing um, laws. So, anyway, moving on. So this is this is probably like the biggest piece from today because I'm I think I'm able to provide um, a more grounded view on Chainlink. So let's just purely talk about Chainlink from a price perspective, from a, from what the charts are saying. So I'm looking at Link again now. Just bringing up Coin Market Cap, and yes, this is an audio only version of the of an episode. So um, if you want to look at Chainlink, you can. But I think you guys, most people that um, watch the show, are probably quite adept at charting to understand how to not adept, but just know how to find the Chainlink chart if they wanted to. Um, so I'm looking at Chainlink versus Bitcoin. BTC and interestingly enough actually I'm looking at it on the, the Coinbase chart look at it versus the dollar so I mentioned a little while ago um, that Chainlink has been one of the most profitable coins been fortunate enough to trade and kind of hang around in uh, did mention I've taken most of my profit from that um, I have a small bit riding but I also mentioned that there's been a lot of not FUD but Within you know with, you know with decent reason I mean there's a triple top on Chainlink, um, looking at the price action of candles, um, and we saw 35% retrace. So it lost 35% of its value from the peak, 
But if you notice, if you looked at volume profile visible range, if you looked at key price levels, so I'm looking on the dollar chart, just looking around $13-ish, there's a very clear support and resistance line that Chainlink respected. It closed above and below this line. So it closed below this line on the way up, and it closed above this line on the way down when it was responding to this level after that retrace. So, I mean, it's indicative that it's likely got some more in it, more moves in it, more energy in it. Um, I know there's been a lot, a lot, a lot reason why I was bringing this up, because a lot of news recently saying that Chainlink is kind of done, uh, prepare for the dump. And if you compare its corrective um, cycles with Chainlink from its previous highs, so bear in mind this coin has been in pure price discovery for quite a considerable amount of time. Um, if you compare its previous uh, pullbacks there in the 20 to 25 to 30 percent range so i mean seeing another seeing a 35 percent pullback isn't that dramatic and the thing is pullbacks are more likely to be more significant when price action runs up so quickly and is in new price territory so that's why you would kind of expect to see more of a significant pullback. So, for example, if Chainlink sets an all-time high again and breaks over thirty US dollars again, not over thirty again. I'm saying if it breaks over twenty US dollars, something significant like thirty, and we see a pullback, likely, and if it's a short period of time, likely we're going to see thirty-five, forty, fifty percent pullback. Um, if we do, that's just an example. Those numbers. My point in demonstrating that you know that's what we're likely to see. Um, what's most probable, and remember, we're trading what's most probable anyway, not what's guaranteed to happen. Um, but since I I commented on Chainlink last, it's actually been responding to that level I illustrated. At, you know, it's a thirteen point eight four dollar level. Um, it's responded relatively well. I think it's up from that level. And since I'll go from Wednesday, since my last episode, up twenty five percent. Okay, so yeah, it's it's you know it's regained quite a considerable amount of um of a uh, of the move. So yeah, I don't I don't see Chainlink being a uh, you know about to completely dump, to be honest with you. But let's talk about the co-founder uh, Sergey Nazarov and his opinions on mainstream adoption. So he mentions crossing the chasm. So very quickly, if you haven't read the book or you haven't seen the book or haven't heard the concept, crossing the chasm is just basically talking about adoption and how there's early adopters, sorry, there's innovators, early adopters, and then from early adopters. I should actually check. Let me just make sure I, I, I'm actually um, correct because I'm just doing this from memory. But there's uh, different groups of people. So there's a standard deviation uh, curve, basically. So imagine a... A uh, hill that slowly slopes up and slowly slopes down, um, and it's symmetrical. So, in the he mentions that there's two chasms basically. Not not Sergey, the author of this book. Um, there's two chasms, and there's chasms from uh, innovator to early adopters. So that's that's one chasm, and then the main chasm is from early adopters to the early majority. And he's saying in order to cross the chasm into early majority with decentralized finance in, t in total, so this doesn't mean Chainlink itself, although he is the co-founder of Chainlink, he's talking about DeFi in its entirety, that there's two things that are going to drive this forward. And he's talking from talking from about individuals and Web 2.0 companies as well. So he, his quote was, 
The transition occurs in two different key dynamics. The slower path is an interest yield. We're currently in a low interest environment and the appetite to combat yield will be massive. And I completely agree. And just to be clear, I agree with everything he says, but I just think this is just the USP. I don't think this is what's going to allow um, the actual early adoption, not from to go from early adoption to um, early majority, which is that crossing the chasm that he's talking about. So yes, we're in a low interest rate environment interest rates are highly unlikely to increase. That means that in terms of uh, people looking to make their money work harder, go further for longer to beat uh, inflation, that a savings account really isn't an option. Um, And that the yield you'd get from locking up some crypto um, would provide greater interest than you would receive from a savings account. So he's saying it's a slow, slow path to early majorities across the chasm i don't disagree i don't disagree let me just get to a second point and I'll, I'll give my two cents he says the second and faster path is through counterparty risk this is where the solvency of brand-based guarantees erodes and math-based contractual guarantees come in the slow case is compelling the fast path is scary but we will be seeing both so i don't disagree with what he said on the second point He's basically saying um, instead of people... So he's, he's suggesting that trust in, in traditional financial institutions, traditional lenders, um, is slowly going to be eroded over time as certain things come out, you know, certain things happen. Um, for example, money printing, perhaps. Perhaps um, it could be anything, basically. And he's saying that smart contracts technology remove the middleman and then people can just peer-to-peer lend um, and stake and get a yield for lending out their crypto uh, and people will pay it back in interest. Otherwise, you know, there's lots of different avenues that there's lots of different uh, approaches DeFi, DeFi products have taken in terms of what they're looking to do with crypto. Basically, they're generally speaking, are just mirroring existing financial um institutions or or um or products out there basically it's not it's not not a dramatic amount of innovation from the DeFi space it's mostly just mirroring what already exists and just removing the middleman using using programming uh smart contracts um to to kind of guarantee certain things happen the only problem is with what he just with that last point is there's been flash loans in the DeFi space have been hacks in the DeFi space there's now uh insure crypto insurance products with decentralized contracts smart contracts to guarantee that if there was for, for any reason and uh, any issue with um a hack or, or the project which is basically comes under the heading of counterparty risk that you'd, you'd get some of your funds or if not all your funds back um this is hilarious because we're, we're just not there yet in terms of um, there being no counterparty risk. In fact, one of the key principles of the cryptocurrency space, especially if you're a bit, believe in Bitcoin, um, is that you are completely responsible for the custody of your keys, of your crypto. If you keep it on exchange, you're at risk. If you keep it with a third party, you're at risk. You can have third third party uh, sign transactions for you, which is fine, um, but still, there's a, there's still a counterparty risk, unless you're taking complete responsibility on how your crypto is stored. If you're holding crypto, um, then there's always going to be counterparty risk, and 
more importantly, this space is so young, so new, that thinking all the bugs are, you know, all the all the bugs already ironed out in the code where it's worth lending or holding your crypto in a smart contract um, versus a traditional financial uh, institution. Because bear in mind, guys, a traditional existing financial institution is beholden to certain laws and regulations. For example, in the UK, we have something called the FSCS, which is basically the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, where if for whatever reason, if you had, I think it's £85,000 right now, if you had, for example, 60k sitting in an account and it magically disappeared because because of the bank's fault, the bank would have to pay you the money back, um, basically, or it would be compensated from the FSCS. Either one, you're, either way, you get your money back. If this was the smart contract and you had 60 grand sitting in a smart contract and there was a flash loan, and it magically disappeared, or there was a hack, sorry, and it, was, it magically disappeared, and uh, some someone got away with your crypto, basically 60k's worth of crypto. No one's beholden to paying that back not the people that created the smart contract not the people that um, created the project um, so that's something to bear in mind so saying saying that this would be slowly eroded the amount of trust that's needed from the DeFi space is immense for us to get to and bear in mind i'm talking about crossing the chasm here i'm not talking about uh what people are doing already people are already um doing this and they understand the risk and they're willing to take the risk because they can see that there's you know there is a certain potential gain that you can make from it and it's worth worth it to them and more hats off to them i mean i don't see anything wrong even with experimenting with a bit of crypto having it you know experimenting with some DeFi. it's a, it's a bit of learning as well and um and potentially getting a yield from that i know um some people are earning enough interest off their crypto to buy more bitcoins multiple multiple bitcoins so you know, take that as what you will. But the biggest thing I have an issue with, with all of his statements, is that these are great statements, and it's true, and these are USPs in unique selling points uh, for DeFi as a whole. But I do feel the cryptocurrency space is completely disconnected compared to people that are in this space have been a bit of a bubble that are creating these projects, completely disconnected from what is actually stopping people cross the chasm and go from uh, early adopters to early majority and like i mentioned in my last podcast i've been exposed to one of the largest banks largest financial institutions actually uh, largest financial institutions in the world um innovation projects seeing them look at blockchain artificial intelligence uh, a lot of things and how they can integrate that into what they're already doing and what problems they're actually just facing as a whole. And they actually face the same problems we face in this space. And one of them is, um, especially when it comes to remittance and payments, one of them is uh, ease of use and just having people use their technology, use their applications, their online, mobile, the rest, um, having them go through those channels it's extremely hard and and these you know it's one of the largest largest financial institutions in the world they're struggling they're dumping so much money into it and it's hard so you know from from a the biggest hurdle is is from the cryptocurrency space uh defi specifically and this includes web 2.0 companies because these companies are going to have to provide these services 
in a certain way to people anyway is one understanding how these things work these projects work because bear in mind someone that is or most people that are already in this space already have a broad understanding enough broad enough understanding to understand how cryptocurrencies work what blockchain is etc etc when we move and cross the chasm from uh early majority to uh, to uh, early adopters to early majority so the biggest gap in crossing the chasm and then you know that will build a snowball effect where you know you get majority everyone that's going to be using crypto will be using crypto at some point um once we cross the chasm the biggest thing is people understanding what this space is people still think bitcoin is used for you know uh illegal activities but if you look at you know the research that's gone on on chain it's less than one percent you know people use cash oil um credit existing things uh for you know illegal activities to a much higher degree so uh, i think it's around five percent for those things as a percentage of um how much is being used for that so um people still have this negative view of crypto i think that's going to change in the next three to five years to be fair because a lot more people that are trusted sources in outside of the space start talking about bitcoin start talking about crypto it's going to be the interest of other people that's one thing so i think that's going to be the easiest thing that was going to that's going to kind of domino that's that's going to kind of fall down the next one is actually understanding how this space works actually understanding how the technology works because it's one thing going to uh, a trusted financial institution and saying like hey i want to yield on on my 100 grand i have sitting in my savings account what can you do for me um and then then providing you a bunch of options um it's another thing going to the cryptocurrency space and saying i have 100k here i think i can i could uh, get a greater yield than I could get from anywhere else. All of the things I need to do. That's that's someone not only being very proactive, but having to have an under working understanding of how these projects work on the individual level, how the space works as a whole, what influences the market, um, and that's just that's for people now. I think for most people aren't going to be doing that. Aren't going to be doing that. Most people that have a bunch of that that could could technically participate in DeFi aren't going to be doing that. And one could argue that, you know, in the traditional financial system, most people don't understand how that works, but they're still willing to, you know, keep their money in the bank, go to whatever investment fund, like for their investment firm um, or asset management firm to kind of make the money do more, basically. And the difference is, is that those are trusted centralized institutions already. That trust does not exist in crypto at all with any project. So to get there, we're going to have to cover this hurdle of education, of people actually understanding what crypto is. Because bear, because you have to remember that you, once you're in this space and operating this space and start having funds, you know, crypto, that you're responsible for your own crypto. Um, and the third one, which is the biggest one, which is going to be the hardest one, but probably... Um, the hard, the the easiest to implement, but the hardest to actually get people to do is user experience, UX. Okay, imagine trying to send a Bitcoin. Imagine trying to send Bitcoin to a smart contract. The risks of fucking that up, or Ethereum to a smart contract. The risks of fucking that up. Imagine the average person that you know that's not in this space that doesn't know anything about crypto trying to send crypto to a public key 
verifying that public key, having them understand that if you fuck this up, that you're going to lose all your crypto. That's going to be that's that's already going to put people's, uh, you know, make people very concerned and say they don't want to do this because it's 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 a huge hurdle. So, user experience. This is the one thing I, I can take away from being able to, you know, see behind the curtain the one you know of of the projects I was working on in the last couple of months. Um, is that user experience is everything. It's everything you can make someone you can have someone do take pretty much any action if you present it to them in the right way and there's nothing in this space i've seen that has is doing that to level that these existing institutions are uh and 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 the great thing is they have the data behind it as well i don't think these projects have the scope to have the people working to the level that they need to really just at the moment currently in the future i'm sure it can but to have the need to have that you know crossing the chasm go from early innovators early adopters cross the chasm to early majority and that's when again we reach early majority that's when everyone is going to be jumping on crypto so massive amounts of potential in this space massive massive amounts of potential in the DeFi space but we are nowhere near in my personal opinion and it's just my opinion i'd say probably 10 years 10 years off that's 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 a that's a long time but i honestly think it would, in 10 years it'd be i'd be quite comfortable saying that yeah if DeFi is still going to exist which i'm sure it will in some capacity that will by then not only in DeFi space but the broad broader cryptocurrency space will will have 80 percent of the ux issues sorted by then um and that if there were new people coming to this space in 10 years time they'd find it very easy to get started and do whatever they need to do uh, in a secure way with security first everything else in mind um in place from a user experience perspective okay so that's my my uh bit over so last bits kind of rounded up so ethereum's been hit by a 51 percent attack again third time this month very unfortunate um ethereum is proof of work ethereum classic by the way i'm talking about ethereum classic ethereum classic is uh, a proof of work chain um, if a proof of work chain doesn't have enough hash power behind it, then just like Ethereum Classic, um, they can be susceptible with fifty one percent attack. And a fifty one percent attack basically means you get fifty one percent of the hash rate. It means you can reorganize the blocks, and it means you can basically send transactions to and from wallets and decide where transactions have gone. Um, so basically this attack reorganized 7,000 blocks which equates to about two days worth of mining and it's unfortunate because and you know what's in what's insane if i just let me just take a look at the ethereum classic chart because this, this is shows what the disconnect between i'm sure it's going to show the disconnect between ethereum classic and uh what's happening on chain versus um actual price action so <laughs> Ethereum Classic should should technically be dumping. I mean, it's showing immense weakness right now. But but yeah, um, just goes to show there's such a disconnect, and it's still space is still highly speculative. But um, so let me just quickly go over this. So notably, a leading organization behind the Ethereum Classic Network, Ethereum Labs. ETC Labs sorry, announced its strategy to protect the network from additional attacks last week, including offensive mining that is intended to stabilize the network's plummeting hash rate and resist 51% attacks. Um, the, 
that I've seen an argument that in the future there will only be one proof of work chain because this will happen to all the other proof of work chains because the hash power on other chains will kind of eat at each other and attack each other. And this could be an indication of the beginning of that. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen a 51% attack in the space, but risky speaking, the only proof of work chain that has really stood the test of time is Bitcoin. Um, that's not to say Bitcoin won't be susceptible to a 51% attack in the future. Sure, it would be, but the cost of doing so is so insurmountable that it'd have to be a nation state at this point. I mean, it depends on the attack, to be fair. I mean, it's, it's it's considerable. I'm not saying that's not possible. I, th I think if the nation state chose to, they could, of course, invest in all that mining hardware and um, attack the chain, but it'd be quite significant. have to be quite a significant uh, reason behind because there's a strong cost to that. But just due to the cost, I'm just saying it has to be, it's likely to be a nation state or something like Amazon, something silly. Um, anyway, moving on. We're going to move on to the last piece of news. So it's, like I mentioned earlier, it's very interesting seeing uh, coins listed on Binance and having them not dump, uh, pump and dump. And Polkadot is one of those coins. Let's quickly talk about Polkadot and what it's looking to do. And let me just check the price on DOT very quickly because I did mention DOT a few days ago. Let's take a look at DOT versus BTC. DOT seems to be forming a bullish pennant. So it looks like, you know, we could see further um, upside if we see, um, let me just turn on volume very quickly. Yeah, bullish pennant. Um, could be seeing more upside from DOT, although if you look at the candles, there's a lot of upper wick action on these candles, so it looks like it could be topping out as well, or reach a double top. Depends on how the candle closes today, and how we see, likely see an inside bar tomorrow. Um, could see an inside bar tomorrow um, on the daily, and then see a, a breakout. So you play the breakout up or down, breakout or breakdown. Um, but what is DOT looking to do? So DOT is looking to solve a problem many cryptocurrencies are looking to solve, which is interoperability. So we have Ontology, we have Cosmos, we have a bunch of these blockchains that are looking to allow communication between chains. But the team, which is the developers behind DOT, uh, called Snowfork, they've stated that in terms of what they're looking to do with the Polkadot ecosystem, um, and using their parachain technology. Um, the main focus is improving interoperability, not just through a transfer of tokens, but through smart contracts and how, how blockchains communicate and how they work. So they're looking to integrate not just trust protocols, not just mathematics, cryptography, but also uh, an econ economic principles as well onto their blockchain. And this could be, you know, I, I personally think that the developers make the projects because loads of cryptocurrency projects are looking to solve the problem of interoperability and um, ultimately the developers and how how successful or how well a project is able to do this um, is what matters so it's interesting stuff very interesting um, but yeah we're in, we're in basically what they've developers said we're in phase one of a three-step plan um, from the Snowfork team in order to deliver um, a bridge between um, 
the Ethereum blockchain, other crypto, other crypto projects. So just very, this lastly to finish on this, they're saying the MVP bridge that fulfills these interface designs and has working, demorable general purpose functionality and abstractions for verification that can clearly and cleanly evolve from a more trusted proof of concept into production grade trustlessness is what they're looking to do. And when they hit phase fee, three of March, 2021, project will be completely underway and be providing that solution. So I do think this is part of why Dot's been doing so well on Binance and why it's not completely dumped. One, because it's a DeFi project, there's hype around DeFi, but also if they're able to deliver on their promise by March, 2021, which isn't that far away, um, it will be big, big things for the space. So very interesting stuff, guys. One to watch for sure. Um, and lastly, we're going to be talking about Yearn. So uh, Yearn is currently ranked 25th on CoinMarketCap. Yearn.finance is the website, I believe. Let me just take a quick looky look over at Yearn.finance. So uh, this is another crypto project that is living in a decentralized finance world. So uh, it runs on Ethereum. Um, and I mean, ultimately, you're able to earn dollars, um, interests, lock up your crypto, loan out your crypto, basically what a lot of um, products are doing. But um, currently, the price of yearn per token is $31,425 up 55% in, in the last 24 hours. And there's been some news around this because its price is higher than the price of Bitcoin. Now, I'm sure if you guys are listening to this, you're you're more savvy than most people that enter the space. But I have heard from um, some friends outside of crypto that kind of hear about crypto but aren't completely in this space like we are. Um, they've been talking about Yearn quite a bit in terms of price and should they invest. And the funny thing is, is that they're not paying attention to market cap. So the best way to kind of discern whether or not a product's doing well is look at the market cap growth. Um, now, market cap could increase, like Tether's market cap increases by issuance of new tokens, minting new tokens. If a project's not doing that and there's a fixed supply, a fixed total supply, then, um, then ultimately, you know, market cap is a good indicator as, to, as the one one of the good indicators as long as alongside price as as to the health of the project now yearn is interesting because there's only 30,000 yearn in total supply not all of it's completely issued and circulating i think there's it says that there's a 30 uh, 37 yearn that's not circulating at the moment but this is exactly why the price is so high because um there's a limited amount of tokens so it's for scarcity um, you can see the same in the stock market, but Yearn's gone completely parabolic. So if we were to see a token split, I wouldn't be surprised at some point um, down the line. And that's something that could happen. It's just kind of like a stock split. Um, but this is this is a great way to engineer uh, hype, a great way to kind of um, pump up the price of the project. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said previously, if you're looking to kind of um gain uh or play with DeFi, I'd use you know I'd use a tiny bit of Ethereum and just have a play with some of these projects. So if you did invest in Yearn very quickly, let's go over this very quickly. Type this in. So if you did invest in Yearn uh back in let's see 
back in July. It's around four thousand dollars. Currently trading at thirty-one thousand. Um, it's seen an increase of approximately two thousand eight hundred ninety-one percent. Now that sounds very much like uh, ICO days, twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, where you just see these ICOs launch, um, and then we get like massive, massive returns. So. Um, I don't think Yearn's run's done just yet. I think we're going to see a bit of a correction relatively soon, but I wouldn't go anywhere near touching touching this project just yet. I think there's more opportunities, and you want to get in at you know the lower end. So, um, interesting stuff, great stuff, but yeah, I'd probably stay away for the moment. But that's it for the episode today, guys. Thank you so much for listening and joining me today. I shall be doing some post processing on this one to kind of bring the volume up because I know, I know that was an issue in the last one and some of you guys mentioned it but it's great being back hope you have a lovely bank holiday weekend i should be having some different types of content coming soon i've got a few people look that could potentially be up for an interview in the next couple of weeks got one next week and potentially have the week after um other than that don't forget to follow me on twitter underscore bull bear twit uh, bull bear crypto um, and if you are looking for trade alerts, some some extra goodies and a bit of market updates, go over to bullandbearcrypto.com forward slash email, bullandbearcrypto.com forward slash email, and you'll get uh, a free newsletter with trade alerts, uh, best trades of the day, one per day or two per day, a bit of market commentary, pretty old, typical stuff you'd see from a video, but I just, I'm just not going to create videos daily. Uh, audios daily I will be at some point more condensed down episodes but daily the more the more regular content will be all on the mailing list anyway i hope you have a lovely day speak to you very soon and wish you guys all the best